All right, how's it going? Welcome to the highlight reel. I'm Jacqueline. I'm Allison, and um, this is episode six, and we are coming up on the end of 2020. Uh, we've just got a couple more episodes left of the year. Yeah, so that's crazy stuff. Very exciting. About time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this week, uh, we're, well, we're going to start off with our question of the week. So this week, as always. Uh, Yes, as always, uh, we are starting off with our question of the week. And uh, this week's question is, do you prefer watching movies at home or in a theater? So this this question kind of ties in with our movie of the week, which we'll be getting to and reviewing a little bit later in the episode. And it's also a question very relevant to, to 2020. So yeah, kind of makes sense to wrap up the year with a question like this. And for me... The question is a an easy no-brainer. I, I love watching movies in a theater. I feel like we talked about this in the last episode, too, where not only is it just the most immersive experience, but I'm also, I'm way less distracted when I'm watching a movie in a theater because admittedly, when I'm watching movies at home, I, I'll check my phone, okay? I'm human, you know? Yeah. Or my dog will distract me or, or something. And... It's just so much easier to get caught up in real life when you're watching a movie at home and, you know, you can easily go pause it and like do something else and then return to the movie and and finish it later, which sometimes can be good depending on the movie. But at the end of the day, especially when I'm watching a movie for the first time, I would prefer to see it in a theater. For sure. I I definitely agree with you there. It's kind of funny. Well, we first wrote a lot of these questions back when we did the highlight reel on the radio in uh 2018 was it or 2017 Um, i think we started in 2017 yeah so (laughs) this question kind of came about in a very different context than 2020 honestly uh with watching more movies at home i mean i guess i definitely agree with you on watching new movies in a theaters like definitely the preferred experience but also i for re-watching movies i really do like re-watching movies at home yeah i guess just being able to like have an experience with like other people and like you know like have a conversation during the movie or, or make your jokes or something like right it just makes me think back to i think it was my 22nd birthday party where like it was just basically a whole bunch of like our friends just watching the room and making yes. jokes and like like eating cake and just like having a good time and we couldn't do that in a theater, you know? Right? That was yeah. that was so fun. We I didn't we even get you a a birthday cake themed around the room? Yeah. Um, what did it say again? Oh my gosh, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I'm the one that came up with what to write on the cake too, but I just don't remember. Time to check Instagram cuz I definitely still have it up there. Yeah, that, that was a fun time. If you guys don't know this already, we're huge fans of The Room. Yes. Oh, it says, oh, hi, AT. Anything for my princess? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, that makes, yes, that, that that is perfect. One of these days in the future, we have to cover The Room for the highlight reel. Absolutely. It- Another, like, little callback to the OG highlight reel when we used to do this in our college years. We actually yes. interviewed... A, a uh, character, Haldeman. an actor. Yeah, yeah. Philip Haldeman. Denny from The Room. Shout out Philip Haldeman. Yeah, thank you. I think that he was... still follows us on Twitter. 
wow guys we're famous <laughs> yes i don't know about you but i was super nervous to do that interview because this was at like the peak of my room obsession so i was oh, just yeah. like over the moon at, at that whole concept yeah it was around the end of 2017 i think we had just it was our first semester of doing the highlight reel and it was also around i think the same time that the disaster artist was about to come out i think it was at so least, that, yeah. like, we knew about the disaster artist. Yeah, yeah. It, it might not have been, like, around the same exact time. It might have been, like, a year earlier. Um, but it was definitely, like, definitely our peak room obsession time. Yeah, <laughs> it was It was just perfect. And he was a super, like, nice guy, so. Yeah, that was yeah. A, that was a blast. But I do agree, like, re-watching a movie at home is usually my preferred as well. It, it really depends. And I guess it's different for me because I did work in a movie theater, so I could see movies for free all the time. So I would just rewatch movies and, and bring different friends to like see a movie because I, I don't really mind watching a movie multiple times if I enjoy it. But yeah. watching it at home is an entirely different experience. And of course, there's pros and cons to both the in-theater and at-home experience. But I guess also for me, I'm a big subtitle person, so... Oh, same here. <laughs> that, that helps a lot as well, which you don't get that in a movie theater unless you get one of those devices, so... Yeah, like, unless you're actually, like, hard of hearing mm -hmm. and not just, like, easily distracted like I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I feel like, you know, it says a lot about a person if they are pro or con subtitle. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because It's a I, very, I, uh, a pro subtitle podcast. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Like, I know a lot of people who do not like subtitles. I feel like a majority of people, they either really like subtitles and prefer subtitles or they don't really care either way. They're like, oh, if you, if you want the subtitles, like, sure, that's fine. But then there's the people who detest subtitles. Yeah. Like, it's going to ruin the movie experience. Like, <laughs> it's like it the cilantro the of, of the movies. <laughs> yeah, but I like subtitles. Yeah, um, me too. Especially, you know, with this year being in quarantine, like, I, I really miss that theater experience. It's definitely the thing I miss the most out of all the things we've kind of lost in quarantine, you know. Yeah. Movie theaters. For it's sure. a tie for me. Live music and movies. I like both of them I've just really wanted to go back, you know? But for sure, me too. It's definitely between those yeah. two for me. But the movie theaters is like slightly above and then it's concerts. I think I don't know about you. I think the last concert I went to was actually Brockhampton, which we went to together. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, mine was not a surf. Oh, what a yeah. throwback. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun one. Yeah. Me and my friend were the only non-Gen Xers. What really? A... <laughs> basically, basically. We, we were definitely, like, the youngest people there. <laughs> it's always interesting when you go to those special concerts and you're, like, the only person of a specific demographic like i remember i went with my freshman year roommate she's like one of my my best friends to see dead and company which is like the grateful oh, dead revival yeah. group and we mostly went because we're hardcore john mayer stands and <laughs> it's funny because now i'm a really big grateful dead fan but back when i was a freshman i only knew a couple of their songs so 
everyone at the concert was like old and white and a dude and like blazed out of their mind and we're like <laughs> these innocent two little asian girls like what's that smell <laughs> love it yeah that was that was a fun time one time at a music festival i saw a childish gambino set was right before fish <laughs> so like what? like half of the um Half of the crowd was like super excited to see Childish Gambino and we're like there for him. And then the other half was like a bunch of old people like trying to get their like their spot ready for fish. Of course. But like there was this one guy who was like, I really like this music. And we're like, hell yeah, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He came for fish, but left a Childish Gambino fan. Yeah. We love to see it. We love to see it. <laughs> That's such a weird back to back concert to have or that's like, bonnaroo like for you yeah i figured that was bonnaroo <laughs> oh yeah the only music festival i've ever went to unless you count warp tour but like it, who counts, it counts tour? <laughs> to a certain extent yeah i guess i guess sort of maybe i, I don't know but this is a movie podcast yeah. <laughs> sidetracked a little bit as we but always do with our side tangents but we always do that, that's our question of the week. It's, it's a more <laughs> kind of simple one for this episode. Um, but before we hop into our movie of the week review, we do want to cover one bit of news that kind of broke out recently and we have things yeah. to say about. <laughs> so uh, the Golden Globes has recently announced they, they haven't get, like they haven't. How do I phrase this? They haven't announced nominations yet? Yes. They haven't announced nominations yet, but they have said that the movie Minari, which is about a Korean family moving to Arkansas, and, it, you know, it's all about the American dream, but they are Korean immigrants, so a majority of the film takes place in Korean. So... The Golden Globes decided, well, since they featured too much Korean dialogue, it cannot compete in the best drama category and is therefore slotted in the best foreign language film category, which people are not pleased about, ourselves included, and it's not like a one-strike deal, like, all right, Golden Globes, you did this one time, like, all right. No, no, they did the same thing with The Farewell last year. And what's so controversial about this is it's it's just such blatant racism because their whole argument makes no sense because you've got like European kind of movies like the the biggest example I can think of is Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, that not that was nominated in Best Drama. No problem, even though a majority of that film is not in English. Yep, th there's definitely a history here. And it's also, like, thinking back to, um, like, this is not even, like, the Golden Globes, like, first, like, racially motivated controversy. Mm -hmm. uh, back when Get Out was kind of in the awards circuit, um, they nominated, like, this racial horror film for best comedy because there was, like, a little <laughs> bit of comedy in it. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. What yeah. the heck? And black people were like, yeah, this isn't a comedy. <laughs> Why'd you nominate it as a comedy? 
they're like, oh, Jordan Peele, he's in that comedy group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's put it in best comedy, which, right. I mean, already the fact that it's best comedy or best musical is just the stupidest category to ever exist in any kind of awards ceremony yeah. period. I understand the the want to like be able to nominate more movies so you like divide it by genre or whatever but if you're going to do that you got to do that for every genre of film not just drama or musical slash comedy which i feel like that was a thing like back from like the 50s like Mm. back when a lot of comedies had like songs or whatever in them because they were starting people like frank sinatra or whatever you know No, that's so true yeah really like, good point yeah that that doesn't apply anymore so why are we lumping in these two things yeah it's it's so stupid um we're, we're reading this from an article on vulture and apparently uh there was a similar controversy with the oscars when roma was nominated because that was also pushed into the foreign language right. category. But it was also it it did also qualify for, you know, best picture, which was great. Um, and that actually sparked them to change that category title from best foreign language film to best international film, which is a okay. much better better name. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the whole thing is just a mess. Um you know, you have examples like with Parasite, you know, same thing with the Oscars. It gets to qualify for Best Picture and Best International p- uh, Film because it is both. Like, Parasite actually is a Korean movie. Right. But with something like The Farewell and Minari, which are, these are actually American-made movies. Actually, both of them were distributed by A24, which we stand on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so it's just... It's really disappointing. Like, yeah, I there's no justification for it, in my opinion. I don't understand it at all. I mean, it really just comes down to racism. And like, yeah, now that this has been like just such a recurring thing, I'm not going to like. Like, I mean, honestly, I've never really paid much attention to the Golden Globes anyway. I told Jacqueline this like off mic, but like, yeah, just like. I give the Golden Globes, like, a fraction of the attention I do the Oscars. Yeah. Like, it, it's an afterthought to me. <laughs> like, yeah, honestly, no, like, of course, like, the the conversations around, like, like Korean and, like, Asian films um, being considered as, like, American films if they were, you know, made by, like, American people and, like about like america and take place here and like everything Mm -hmm. like that exactly of course that's that's a really important conversation to be had but like is anyone like really out here standing the golden globes (laughs) like who cares about the golden globes (laughs) no seriously it's like okay the hollywood foreign press we don't care about you as much as the academy and there there have been controversies surrounding both the golden globes and the oscars of course but I mean, the Golden Globes are just not nearly as reputable as the Oscars or as fun, in my opinion. Just like you said, AT, like, it's an afterthought. Like, I I get so into 
Oscar season, it's kind of embarrassing. And I'll always like print out a little ballot with my predictions and like keep track of everything that wins. Yeah. Like I have, I make a big deal out of the Oscars, whereas the Golden Globes, I'll just throw it on TV with my mom and I'll be like, they're like, okay, here's this category. I'm like, yeah, I think this will win to my mom and then whatever will win. Like, that's all I do. You yeah. know, I'm not making nearly as big of a fuss because why should they be reputable if they're pulling this kind of BS? Yeah. The only thing like the Golden Globes are really good for is like predicting Oscar nominations. <laughs> and even that's Oscar wins. <laughs> like that. that's all I see like the... Like, at least in, like, whatever media I consume, like, that's, like, the only time the Golden Globes enters the conversation. <laughs> when it's talking about, like, what's going to win at the Oscars. Well, this yeah. one at the Golden Globes, and this one at, like, the Directors Guild Awards and stuff like that. Like, it's thrown in with, like, a lot of the, like, smaller award shows that, like, I guess maybe aren't as mainstream. Maybe not. Maybe smaller isn't the correct word, but, like... Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like they have all those um they have all those guild award like for the there's like SAG and the Directors Guild and all of that. Yeah. And like I never actually watch those award ceremonies, but I'll pay attention to who wins them because again, they're good indicators for the Oscars. But you know, the Golden Globes, they can be fun to watch. Like I, I still will try to watch it every year. But Yeah. I mean I'm hoping with this backlash that they, you know, come back on their word. That'd be nice to see. That would be really, really awesome. I really don't know. It's kind of odd that they have announced that, you know, okay, Minari is going to be not best drama, but best foreign language film, but the nominations aren't actually out yet. So yeah. I don't really know what the timeline for that is. I'm sure everything is being pushed back right now. I know the Oscars are going to be later on in 2021 and the Golden Globes are usually early January, I think. So yeah. it's probably not going to be anytime soon. I don't know. Shrug. Yeah. 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 But this is, I guess just... let us know what you think yeah. about this whole debacle. If you can kind of understand and sympathize with the Golden Globes, or if you think Minari should be qualified for best drama. Um, I know it's also a little bit difficult because this movie hasn't really been fully distributed. Like it's not streaming anywhere. I got pretty lucky being able to see it just because I was able to find an, a, a virtual film festival with tickets still available. So I got yeah. really lucky in seeing it. I haven't seen it yet. It's been hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. It, it, it can be hard to have an opinion on something you haven't seen yet, but just, you know, purely based on what we see on paper, it should not be in the foreign language film category because it's truly an American film. Yeah. Like, especially, like, you kind of touched on this earlier, like, the fact that it's Minari and The Farewell, which are both, like, American films mm -hmm. but then you have um inglorious bastards like you mentioned earlier that takes place in europe right yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so it that movie i think is mostly in german and there's also yeah. some french and i mean some... there is english but it's i believe 70 percent non-english dialogue yeah but it's quentin tarantino 
Yeah. It, it's just the hypocrisy. It's just yeah. blows me away. <laughs> I know. It It truly is, like, just so shocking. It's, like, disappointed but not surprised. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad that it's been pretty much unanimously a negative reaction to this. Like, I've been seeing a lot of tweets of people being really upset, including, you know, filmmakers and actual actors and celebrities. So it'd be great if the Hollywood Foreign Press Association took back their word on this, like you said. But I'm not going to hold my breath, (laughs) honestly. Yeah, me either. (laughs) So... So that's kind of the only thing we wanted to cover for what's new and noteworthy going on in this crazy thing we call the film industry. Um, We sometimes like to get woke on here. (laughs) (laughs) Here and there, occasionally, we dabble in wokeness. We we sprinkle a little bit of wokeness sometimes in here. (laughs) (laughs) Just a sprinkle. (laughs) But speaking of woke... Our movie of the woke week is pretty <laughs> a movie of the woke. <laughs> woke doesn't sound like a word anymore. It, I can't say it. Anymore. Yeah. Our movie of the week is Soul. <laughs> yes. So I'm sure this is a movie that probably really needs no introduction. It's Pixar's latest film directed yeah. by Pete Docter, who is a staple in, in Pixar filmmakers and stars jay fox and tina fey yep and uh the synopsis uh graciously given to us from imdb in case you haven't heard kind of what the movie's about uh joe is a middle school band teacher whose life hasn't quite gone the way he expected his true passion is jazz and he's good but when he travels to another realm to help someone find their passion he soon discovers what it means to have soul a how poetic. Thanks, IMDb. Truly very, very poetic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so what'd you think of Soul? Um, so I watched this movie on Christmas, like a lot of people did, I'm sure. I uh, did as, as well. As it yeah. was released on Christmas, uh, available on Disney Plus. And this one, um, I wasn't quite sure what I was expecting from it, honestly. But like mm-hmm. it was so good. It, it blew away any expectations I had. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like, for me, sometimes Pixar movie trailers never do the full film justice. Like, for me, the best example I could think of was Coco. I remember seeing that trailer everywhere, and honestly, I didn't really think much of it, but because I'm such a big Pixar fan, I was like, okay, obviously I'm going to go see it opening day, but I really had no anticipation for coco other than okay it's it's a new pixar movie and then i just left the theater completely blown away by coco and yeah the same i think kind of happened with soul where the trailer didn't do a whole lot for me it kind of just felt like something very reminiscent of inside out right down to it's this it's also directed by pete doctor um, yeah. But again, I was like, it's Pixar, so obviously I'm going to see it. And one of our mutual friends, shout out Amanda, she works for Disney and actually had seen Soul several months ago and told me like, yo, it's actually really good. So that kind of ended up giving me higher expectations for Soul than when I had just seen the movie trailer. So 
I had been anticipating it, especially just given it's been such a rough year for movies. And, yeah. you know, there are some really great movies out there that are available to stream. But otherwise, a lot of it has really only been available to virtual film festivals. So it's been hard to see really, really good movies this year. Um, so Definitely. as a result, like, I was really anticipating Soul. And yeah, I was I was not disappointed at all. Like it was it was fantastic. Yeah. Out of the um like I, I talked about like kind of my my rating system and inside out as a bit of a fluke in there um yeah. before. Like I think, yeah, the, definitely kind of the easiest comparison to make is soul versus inside out. Like you said, like down to the director, down to like the kind of more abstract concept of the movie um yeah i liked this one a lot better than inside out personally mm -hmm. i think yeah it, it did a lot more with the kind of outside of the human world i think there was a lot more to it that i liked more yeah i mean soul is definitely a much more mature title from pixar and i feel like pixar dabbles a lot in mature themes but this is just existentialism yeah. <laughs> wrapped into an animated package you know like it's definitely <laughs> the themes in this movie are 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 things that i'm still wrapping my head around like and i will be thinking about for a long time whereas with inside out and you know again we did talk about this a few episodes ago when we were talking about that movie and our favorite animated movies i feel like inside out was a great movie for me at the time that I had seen it but now that I'm a little bit older it it doesn't resonate with me as deeply as it did when it first came out whereas soul is something that I could see still sticking with me down the road okay yeah like it's just man it it really it hits you in your soul like what can i say it's a great yeah. title <laughs> truly and yeah i like you said before i do feel very happy to be able to have seen such a good movie in 2020 where a lot <laughs> of those good movies are kind of gatekept by film festivals and stuff like that and right. like they save them for later in the year when there's you know people who want to go to the movies and then up oh, no one's going to the movies anymore but yeah. i i am thankful for disney for like making this one you know not one of their premium movies because <laughs> yes. i don't know if i would have seen it like i don't know if i would have like based on the trailer i don't know if i would have paid the 30 dollars to see it until i got reviews from other people saying like go get it it's really good exactly yeah like the trailer really doesn't do that much except i don't know it has a good song in it by ajr yeah. <laughs> but, like yeah it really didn't get me all that pumped up but soul is honestly i think it's the best movie that we needed in this year because the pandemic has just taken so much from us and this movie kind of like rejuvenated me in a way like it made me want to run outside and like breathe in the fresh air and enjoy and appreciate everything that life has to offer like down to just like the small mundane things that we don't really care about or or dread 
just waking up in the morning and whatnot. And so you gained it, your spark. <laughs> <laughs> My spark is the highlight reel. <laughs> but yeah, Love I mean, it. like this pandemic and quarantine, like it it made me dread waking up and getting out of bed because you know I felt like it. Life felt like that episode of SpongeBob where Squidward finds his perfect town and oh, just yeah. lives the same day in Squidville every yes. day. Like, rinse and repeat. Yeah. That's what quarantine has felt like, right? Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm sorry I don't have anything new to add, but, like, yeah, you, you really, like, hit the nail on the head there. Like, I, I do agree that this was, like... It wasn't even anticipated because like Pixar starts working on these movies like years in advance, but this was the yeah. perfect 2020 movie. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Wow. It's funny how things work out like that, you know? <laughs> it is. It really is. It's the superhero we needed this this year. Yeah. Not Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> it was Joe. It was Joe Gardner. <laughs> Joe Gardner this whole time. But but speaking of Joe Gardner, uh, what did you think about like Joe and Twenty Two and, and the characters? I loved it. Um, I I loved Joe and Twenty Two, like their whole dynamic. Um, I think one thing, like kind of the biggest criticism I've seen of Soul was kind of the same thing that people said about Princess and the Frog. Um, mm. Like Disney Pixar finally has this uh, black character, great like African American representation that Disney does very not often have. Mm-hmm. And then they turn them into something else for like half of the movie. Oh yeah. It was Dang. definitely less of a problem with Soul than it was for Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Disney has a habit of doing this with their black characters and it's Wow, yeah. I didn't think about that. It's That's a little weird. Very true. <laughs> That like every time you have like a like a black main character, they have to be turned into something else that's not like outwardly black for like yeah at least half the movie, right? Wow, yeah, he's that's even crazy. a cat for part of it. Spoilers, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so I guess let's let's get into spoilers right now. So, spoiler warning: if you haven't seen Soul yet, go check it out. It is very very much recommended and highlight reel approved by the both of us and it's streaming on Disney Plus so it's super accessible spoilers so spoilers i i did see some criticism about how once joe and 22 are able to kind of come back to earth and then they switch and joe's in the cat and 22's in joe's body they're like oh great it's a white woman voicing a black character yeah so you know there's also that that aspect to it i think it, it's it's definitely valid criticism but at the end of the day i i think the diversity and representation in this movie was was fantastic like that I one agree. scene in the barbershop was fantastic the animation is gorgeous in this movie and i know a lot of people online have been really commending pixar for the way they animated all of the black characters and their hair and i heard you know 
obviously mm-hmm. I, I'm not a black person, so I don't want to speak on like behalf of, of other people and their experiences. But just based on what I read in, in tweets and other reviews, people were saying the dynamic in the barbershop was very realistic. So I yeah, think, I think that's I've fantastic. seen the same thing. Yeah. I've also seen a lot of people. This isn't even a spoiler. So like, yeah, <laughs> these are small things. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw a lot of um, people talk about like how good the lighting was. Yeah. For animation, like, that's not something, like, at least that I think about a lot with animation is lighting, just because it's, like, this is a cartoon. There isn't, like, a real person, like, doing lighting for these shots, but they got to do yeah. it in, like, the programs or whatever, but, like, it looked great. I I definitely agree with that. It's just not something I was kind of, I guess, conscious of when watching. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I guess animation cinematography really is kind of a thing, which is a crazy concept to wrap your head around. Yeah, just like people, like... It's weird to me thinking about directing an animated film. Yeah. Like, especially if it's, like, a director that I associate with, like, live-action stuff a lot. Right. Like, instead of, like, directing a bunch of actors... I mean, obviously, you direct voice actors and stuff, but, like... Instead of being on a traditional film set, you're directing, like, hundreds of animators. Animators, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure not to discredit anyone who only directs live-action films, but it seems like such a huge task to direct an animated film like that. Yeah, I'm sure there are so many different challenges you get with animating, or with with directing animation as opposed to live-action. That's a really good point. But... It's truly incredible how far animation has come over the years, especially if you're just looking at it from like a closed only Pixar filmography perspective. Like I read online that with the first their first movie, Toy Story, they had so much trouble with animating faces that they had to reuse Andy's facial like features and, and the structure for his face model on on like other kids and stuff and it's why you also don't really see like his mom's face or uh, the other adults or anything yeah and when you compare it to soul i mean there are numerous scenes where just in the background you see so many diverse humans and people and it's it's amazing like yeah the scene where they they leave the hospital and like there's a lot of kind of like sensory overload going on in that scene but you see all these people and you know 22 is kind of freaking out because it's her first time experiencing anything like this especially in a crowded street in new york city so she's freaking Mm -hmm. out and you see all of these people just walking around and the animation on not only all these random passerbyers but the lighting like you said like the depth of field with it it's amazing like holy crap yeah it's yeah this was definitely like an artistic feat and i really do applaud pixar for it especially like when you compare it to toy story which like (laughs) technologically does not hold up anymore no it does not but it's it's been a while since i've seen toy story but i I'm kind of interested in giving it another watch just to see how far technology has gone since I think Toy Story might have come out the year I was born, 1995. So like so, just yeah. in like the time that I've been alive, like how much this like, yeah, it came out in 1995. Like thinking about how much 
this kind of technology has developed and I've literally grown up with it. Yeah. Oh, I highly recommend rewatching it if you can. I was going to okay. say like, oh, you can borrow my Blu-ray. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's probably on Disney Plus. But yeah, <laughs> when Toy Story 4 came out, I had a little mini Toy Story marathon and watched, you know, Toy Story 1, 2 and 3 before seeing the fourth one. And I remember even just the jump from the first Toy Story to Toy Story 2, the quality of the animation jumped up drastically. Like the very first Toy Story movie yeah. really was like obviously very groundbreaking at the time but they were already able to improve so much just after their very first movie and yeah it's pretty crazy i feel like we talked before with like the nightmare before christmas and how stop motion holds up so well but stuff like yeah. 3d animation it really doesn't so i'm curious how a movie like soul which looks so fantastic today in 2020 how that'll hold up you know in, in 2040 or whatever because I hope you know, a it lot does. Of, <laughs> I do too. I do too. Like I, it's like it's hard to imagine how it can get any better. You know, like it's already so great. How can yeah. they even further improve three D animation? But I guess anything's possible. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like movies that came out like in like the two thousands, like something like The Incredibles that came out in like two thousand four. That still like holds up pretty well, at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, it, it still looks pretty good. Yeah, so, I don't know. I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, The <definitely>. future. <laughs> but yeah, what did you decide to rate this movie? Ooh, this, this was tough for me, actually, because I probably would have wanted to give it, like, a, a 4.25 out of 5 stars. Yeah. But of course, you know, Letterboxd, you, you can't do the quarter scale. So... I was I was definitely between four and four and a half. And I actually went for four stars, but I'm probably going to change that to four and a half. And I definitely want to rewatch this soon. How about you? I gave it a 4.5 out of five. Yeah. But I did rate it like immediately after I watched it. So that, I'm not sure if that was like post movie high or like <laughs> or what. But I mean, I still really love the movie. And... I gotta honestly kind of rethink my Pixar rating a little bit now because yeah. it's it's definitely near the top somewhere. I'm just not sure Same. where because I I hold Monsters Inc very close to my heart oh. and I don't I don't I don't think anything will top that one. But like it's definitely up near the top. Yeah, that's really tough. I don't know. It'll be hard for Soul to crack my top five. I think because yeah. The top five is pretty much all of the, you know, old classic Pixar movies. But I really think Soul is going to stand the test of time and be regarded as one of Pixar's best, like, down the line. I think yeah. I'd probably say Soul and Coco are my favorites within the past, like, five-ish years or so. Maybe even a decade. I'm trying to think. I think Toy Story 3, I think, was 2010. And Toy Story 3 is definitely one of my all-time favorites. So, yeah, I guess... I guess within the past Wait, was decade, Toy Story like, 3 2010? Yeah. Oh, wow. Right? Pretty sure it was 2010. Was that the one where me. Andy went off to college or? Yes, yes. Wait, really? Huh. Yeah, it was 2010. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, wait. I totally thought Toy Story 3 came out right before I was about to, like, go off to college. But I was apparently just a high school sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> 
What? <laughs> oh, it was Monsters University. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that I, makes sense. I think. <laughs> and I mean, you have a really personal connection to the first Monsters Inc., so I guess Monsters University, like it makes sense. Yeah. It adds up. Even yeah. though it's a prequel. Huh. I is... like Monsters University. I feel like a lot of people were like, "Yeah, it's okay, but I really enjoyed it actually. I enjoyed it as well. I mean, definitely the first one is like the better out of the two, but I oh, yeah. I enjoyed Monsters University. Yeah, same. I've I, seen I, people I like rank it. it with the good dinosaur, like in like the bottoms. Whoa, like whoa. really <laughs> That's insulting. Like, yeah. Yeah, no. But honestly, like outside of the good dinosaur, I think it's pretty hard to like rank Pixar movies. Yeah, it is. I mean, okay, I actually I do have a Pixar ranked list on Letterboxd. Let me whip it up and see what's in my top five. Yeah. I should probably make right. one of those too. It was hard. It was definitely hard to do. And I, I probably have some controversial picks somewhere in here, but whatever. Okay, so starting at number five, we've got Toy Story 3, which makes sense because I was just talking about how much I love that movie. Yeah. And personally, I don't I don't really know if this is controversial or not. I think it's the best Toy Story movie. I actually thought I think the Toy Story movies get better until four. Mm-hmm. like i think toy story three is better than two which is better than one but they're all fantastic like oh definitely i i definitely agree even though the animation does not hold up in the first toy story movie the story is still fantastic i mean it's it's such a timeless movie despite the animation yeah coming in <laughs> at number four i have finding nemo great oh movie. that's a great one. Oh my god I can finally watch it now without crying every time. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is Wally. I love Wally. I feel like I juggled between my top three a lot. Like they're kind of they could go in any order. It depends on my mood, but this is just kind of like what I'll I'll say as my standard. Number two is Ratatouille. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about Ratatouille as one of their favorites or one of the best Pixar movies. But Outside of TikTok. TikTok right, loves which... Ratatouille. <laughs> Remy the oh, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. I have such a problem with that line because Remy is not a Ratatouille. And yeah, a rat. it makes no sense. <laughs> he is the rat of my dreams, though. Yes. <laughs> the rat of all your dreams. <laughs> but... <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why. I just loved Ratatouille growing up and it was it's probably my most rewatched Pixar movie. Like I I always found it very easy to to throw on and very fun to rewatch and when I was a kid, my mom had an SUV with like a DVD player in the car, so I would just mm-hmm. watch it like on repeat when we would drive around. So I think that's why Ratatouille has always been one of my favorites but again i feel like it's not really a movie that people would talk about until more recently yeah no, i think I, is a shame i agree and then number one is up kind of a of course basic answer yeah <laughs> of course the saddest movie for, <laughs> for yeah Jacqueline. no I, I definitely still cry watching up like yeah so I, yeah that top five i think is gonna be yeah really hard to to crack but i think soul definitely could be top 10 material yeah i have to give this a good think i will come back to you with my my top five pixar movies i haven't really made many lists on letterbox like the one 
I have one that's like a movie log of like movies we talk about on the highlight reel. Oh, so I, I have that. that. And then I also just have this joke one, which is movies that feature a pair of open legs in the foreground of the poster and the movie title written between them. <laughs> <laughs> just because I noticed like so many movies have this and it's just like such a dumb like movie poster trope and I hate it. And I just want to document how many there are. I mean, oh I have some in there gosh. that are like kind of jokes like um the movie poster for Spectre um it's not like there are legs in the foreground but the title Spectre is between like Daniel Craig's legs <laughs> so I just have that one in there as like a joke okay fair I had the graduate in there but someone on Letterbox is like really the graduate so I took it down it that one's tough it kind of yeah. counts I think that kind I think that counts I might add it back because I, I'm not letting film nerds dictate how I live my life. Let me guess. Their favorite movie is probably Fight Club. Let's see. <laughs> no, it's Tokyo Godfathers. Okay. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what list I think you should make that was really fun for me, for me to make? Uh, which list? Make a list of your favorite movie from every year you've been alive. So starting with 1995 for you, like you pick one movie per year. And, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like, okay, I I saw, uh, I saw Monsters, Inc., you know, whatever that year was. Like, it it doesn't have to be like you saw it that year, but just that year that the movie came out. You know what I mean? Okay. That was really fun. Oh, I haven't updated mine for 2020. Oh, JK. Yes, I did. It's it has parasite. <laughs> now, question for you. Yes. So I have the first movie I ever saw as a child was The Little Mermaid, which I think was Ooh. originally released in like 89 or something. But wow, I saw yeah. it in theaters like when they did like a re-release or something. I think like Oh wow. Maybe like 97, 98, something like that. Does That's that cool. count? Yeah, yeah, I guess that counts. Okay. No, that that's up to you. Okay. <laughs> you can make the list however you want to make the list. <laughs> if my favorite movie from 1999 was like Fight Club or something, and like I obviously did not see Fight Club when I was four years old. Right. Is that how it works? Or does it have to be something I oh wait, you you already said it doesn't have to be something I saw that year. It just has to be right. released that year. I know, like, other people have done it differently. Like, you know, you could do that version, like, oh, my favorite movie when I saw, like, like that I saw when I was, at, like, four years old in 1999 was X. Like, you could also do that. But how I personally did it was just based on the year that that movie was released. Okay. That's another one that I have to give a good think to. Yeah, that one took a long time, but it was it was really fun, actually. Yeah. It it definitely seems very fun. I will give that and my picks are ranked a good little consideration. And hopefully by our next episode, I'll be able to update you. <laughs> good luck. It, those are both hard lists to do. I'm kind of obsessed with making lists. So I have a lot on Letterboxd. Nice. But I love those little joke ones. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one more thing I wanted to say about Soul before we wrap up is i actually didn't cry watching this movie oh i know right i am like the resident movie crier and i did not cry i i like started to tear up but it just didn't quite get there and i'm shocked and 
I I have a conclusion yeah. about that, and I think I have an explanation for this, but I'll save it for the pop culture pick of the week because it also ties in with that. Okay. But All since right. we're still technically on our movie of the week, I wanted to throw out that I surprisingly did not cry watching Soul because I yeah. read a lot of people saying like, "Oh my gosh, I was bawling." I did not cry either, but I don't. I don't think I'm as big of a movie crier as you are, unless it's The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is just all about referencing our older episodes. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah, like no. uh, one of those like recap episodes, like or like the clip show episodes on TV, like when they're like, yes. remember when we did this? <laughs> I love they it. Play the clip. I love it. Yeah, that's what this no is. No one does those like callback episodes like Dan Harmon, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm wondering if if when I rewatch this, if maybe I'll I'll cry or something because you know, obviously it's it's a it's a heavy movie and mm-hmm. themes of existentialism can be hard to wrap your mind around. So I feel like maybe it was just like a lot for me to handle. So maybe I was just too into it to really be crying but maybe now that i know like the story and what's gonna happen and everything and i'm more prepared maybe mm-hmm. then the tears will come i don't i don't know yeah we'll see but i thought that was really interesting i was like what's wrong with me do i not have a soul <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i'll be honest i was definitely expecting you to cry at this one so i think most people were <laughs> yeah I, it's I surprising that you didn't but like now that you explain it like I get it. Like I didn't cry either. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's emotional but not like tear jerking, I'd say. Yeah, whereas other movies from Pixar like Up and Coco, Finding Nemo's like the beginning, Finding Dory too. Yeah. I cried during all those movies. And especially Pixar is a studio that is known for getting those tears out of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're known for being <laughs> The cry-making movies. The cry-making movies. That's such a terrible phrasing for it. I can't talk today. The Cry-Makers. That's that's the new name for Pixar. The Cry-Maker cry Studio. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. But yeah, I, I think that's all I really have to say about Soul. I definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it yet. It's free if you have a Disney Plus subscription, so not really technically free, but like use someone else's. I don't care. <laughs> as long as you can see this movie we don't care because yeah it's fantastic and it's it's the last movie of the week for 2020 for yep. the highlight reel and for the cinema club which is pretty pretty nuts yeah so a uh, cinema club has been running since about like the beginning of quarantine since march so this has definitely been a very fun journey going through and like kind of watching all these movies i probably would not have seen before and kind of yeah, just absolutely. adding like a little bit of positivity to this whole like shit show of a year. <laughs> so if you need it's that positivity, come join us on Discord. Um, on the Cinema Club Discord, we watch a different movie every week, and usually the movie we talk about on the highlight reel is a movie that we watch for the Cinema Club. Actually, all of them have been. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'd love to have you there. You can nominate your own movie and. If it wins, you know, then maybe we'll talk about it on the show. And usually we try to nominate movies that are available on streaming services so that everyone has a chance to watch them. So it's a fun time and we'd love to see some more 
or new members. Yeah. Come in and nominate a movie and we might just talk about it on the highlight reel. Woo! Woohoo! All right. So we're going to go ahead and close out our show with our pop culture pick of the week where we're going to just kind of highlight something in pop culture, whether it be another movie, TV show, video game, book, whatever it may be. Whatever form of media we are really digging this week, we're going to talk about it. Consumption for the week. So mine, I kind of teased that a little bit earlier when I was talking about soul. It's, I feel like I'm I'm really late to the game on this, but I finally watched The Good Place. Yes! Oh my god, I I'm knew- so excited! <laughs> I was gonna say, I said off camera, like, before we started recording, I was like, I think you're gonna be happy with my pop culture pick of the week, because I know yes. you loves that show. And I, I'm a big fan of Mike Schur, pretty much all of his TV shows I have enjoyed. Parks and Rec is one of my all-time favorite shows, like, Just Behind Community. And... The Good Place has been on my list for a long time, but admittedly, I, I couldn't really get into it. Like season one, I don't know what it what it was, but honestly, something with Mike Schur's shows in general, I feel like season one is not very strong, and then it just builds so quickly, and then I'm like hooked. So yeah. once I kind of got through season one, I was like hooked and just was binge watching it this past couple months in quarantine and i i knew it was a shorter show like only four seasons so i was trying not to binge watch it too fast but definitely seasons three and four i zoomed through pretty quickly and it's a great show i loved it to this day the good place is the only show i've ever binge watched wait what yeah i i mean i'm not much of a binge watcher um so usually i'll i'll watch like up to about four episodes at a time and then i'm like i need to take a break this is too much like i i just need to like just step back for a little bit Mm -hmm. but when i finished the good place i could not remove myself from the couch i was like (laughs) it was like 1 a.m i'm like three more episodes i can do it (laughs) so it's like the only time where i felt like so compelled to like finish a series that i just like binged like an entire season and like plus like a couple of episodes in season three that i hadn't finished yet wow so honestly yeah. i get it because they leave every episode on a, on a cliffhanger usually yes so it's pretty easy to just get into that vicious binge cycle where you're like one more episode one more episode and then you're like yeah. oh it's 3 a.m <laughs> one more episode but so how that related to soul is obviously the good place also is very existential in its yes. themes. <laughs> and a lot of people told me that they were bawling during the finale. So this whole time I was kind of anticipating, like, all right, you're gonna you're gonna watch this finale and you have a box of tissues next to you, okay? Like we're gonna we're gonna be ready for this. We're gonna be prepared. And I didn't yeah. cry. Like what is wrong with me? I don't know what's wrong with me. I I did tear up a little bit, but I did not cry. And so the conclusion that I have come to is that existentialism does not make me cry. (laughs) That is the only solid explanation for why both Soul and The Good Place did not make me cry. And, you know, kind of like I was saying earlier, I just feel like it's too much for me to wrap my head around. And, like, I just... 
I can't handle it and I, I can't cry. Like, it's too much. Yeah. I, I definitely get that. I don't think I cried watching A Good Place either. I was trying to look through my old tweets and see if I... I remember I I tweeted, like, once I finished the show. But it was just me being, like, astounded that I actually binge-watched a show for the first time. <laughs> and, True. of course, I participated in that how it started, how it's going trend. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, it, it just... I got the um the screenshot of, like, top picks for Allison for how it started and then how it's going. Watch it again. <laughs> it's like the Good Place poster. <laughs> oh, that's genius. That's genius. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, great show. I will say, like... I, I usually prefer sitcoms for my TV shows because I love rewatchability and just throwing on a random old comedy episode to, you know, while I, while I eat food or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't see myself rewatching The Good Place just because it's like a very well told, more of a story kind of sitcom as opposed to uh, here's a, a random little side story. Like it's very much like purposeful, which is why it's so short. It's only four seasons. Yeah, yeah. And. The thing that I really respect about this show is they had the chance to do more seasons. Like, NBC really wanted more seasons of this because it was really? one of their best performing shows. Yeah, that makes But sense. Mike Shore said, like, no, we're doing four seasons and then that's going to be the end of the story. And, like, of course that. I would have wanted more, but, like, I really respect a showrunner who, like, even when you're being thrown all this money, you put the story first. And I, totally I think agree. that says a lot about him as a showrunner. Oh, yeah. Mike sure is fantastic. I mean, he knows what he's doing. And I, I was not surprised at all that I, I did eventually get into The Good Place and loved it. It's, yeah, honestly, it's a show I, I would really recommend everyone to watch because it does deal with like heavy themes, but in a fun and lighthearted way. And it kind of makes you think a lot. And it's really well casted. It's like perfect casting, honestly. Yeah. Uh, who is your favorite character? Definitely Michael, for sure. Okay. How about you? I don't know why for some reason I was expecting you to say Janet. Janet is probably <laughs> number two. It's hard. Like, I love them all, but Michael is, was always my favorite. I have a very soft spot for Jason. <laughs> Jason Mendoza from Jacksonville, Florida. Yes. <laughs> oh Um, yeah no jason's up there for me too they're they're all so so great they're they're wonderful characters it's it's a great show and i really recommend it as well if you're into shows like the office and parks and rec it's the same guy who worked on a lot of those yeah so brooklyn 99 brooklyn 99 as well that one i think he had much more of a hand in Correct. I think so. I could be. Yeah, wrong. I, th- I think he I'm created sure. Brooklyn Nine Nine, so it's okay. kind of in the yeah, same yeah, boat yeah. as that one. Okay, but I for sure recommend it. Yeah, I'm so yeah. glad I finally watched it, and I got really lucky. I actually like entirely avoided spoilers for this yeah, show. Yeah, that's that's there's, really good. I really don't know how I got so lucky, but you know, there's definitely a lot of twists and turns and stuff that happens with the plot that. I had no idea was going to happen and I'm so 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 glad because it just made for such a more memorable viewing experience and I think another reason why it's such a easy show to recommend to anyone is you know it is short it's only four seasons so sometimes like I'm like hey 
you should watch Community. And they're like, cool, how long is it? I'm like, six seasons and maybe a movie. They're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like that's a lot. Uh, or like The Office, you know, and Friends and Parks yeah. and Rec even has, I think, like seven or eight seasons. I think seven. Yeah, yeah. like, even though I'm like a pop culture person, like, Friends is a show that I cannot do like i already know like 10 <laughs> seasons is way too much it's a lot yeah i i do love friends though i know like, there, same for things like it, uh like seinfeld or like yeah even like getting into like early simpsons like i don't know how many like seasons are actually good and worth watching for simpsons if i'm being honest but like yeah it's I, probably I no far too many to like hold my attention for sure yeah for sure <laughs> And I don't know what it was like what it was for me with the good place in season one. Again, I just I just think every Mike Sure show I watch, I struggle with season one because it's happened with literally Parks and Rec, The Office, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and The Good Place. Like I just couldn't get into it season one, but then I stuck it out and I finished all those shows fully loving every single one. So mm-hmm. definitely recommend it. I'm so so glad I watched it. And it's on Netflix. So go go check it out. Yeah. Definitely watch that if you've got a Netflix subscription. Highly recommended. For my pop culture pick of the week, I I did have a little bit of a hard time kind of figuring out what that would be. Just because, like, the concept of any form of media is, like, there's so much media out there. (laughs) But I decided on talking about another podcast. Whoa. Whoa. So meta. (laughs) So the podcast I have been really getting into recently is called Los Culturistas. Ooh, it's hosted name. by SNL star Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers. Oh, and they just talk about like different things in like world culture, basically. And what I've been like binging lately is um, they did half hour episodes for 12 days leading up to Christmas and they called it the 12 days of culture. And it's just like talking about like different days like that impacted culture and like the random Whoa. days they choose are so hilarious. Like they chose when like Ben Franklin invented electricity and, like, <laughs> or like he didn't invent electricity. That was Thomas Edison. But wait, let me let me get the names of these episodes because they're okay. gold. This sounds fantastic. I've yeah. never heard of this show before. The first but. day of culture um, was August 18th, 1953. The first McDonald's opens its doors. <laughs> and then they've got ones like Celine Dion makes Vegas a thing. Which like, like It's talking about like Celine Dion's like Las Vegas residency. Oh my god! I'm really excited for the next one to, to listen to because it's the fifth day of culture, July 2nd, 2020. Glissane Maxwell, you're under arrest. <laughs> and that's the fifth day like of the biggest day of like culture is <laughs> Glissane Maxwell getting arrested. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Wait, what? what's it called again? It's called Las Culturistas. L-A-S. Las Culturistas. C-U-L-T-U-R-I-S-T-A-S. Okay. Full name uh, is Las Culturistas with Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang. And That's it's, such a great name. It's a wonderful podcast. And if you're a podcast listener and you enjoy just like two comedians just talking about like different obscure moments in like culture history, I very much recommend it. 
Another couple episodes that I really enjoyed is uh, for their 200 episode special, they did the top 200 moments in culture. Whoa. And it's basically, it was basically, it's basically the same thing as um, the 12 days of culture, but like very specific, like cultural moments. And I think they like, they split it up into like three or four episodes because, oh yeah, three episodes. Um of for the top 200 moments because they, they just kind of go into a couple of them that they're like particularly excited about mm, but it's sense. yeah it's very funny i mean that if you hilarious. if you have the same like sense of humor as i do just like people like hyping up like really random stuff like that <laughs> like i don't know it's just so funny to me and the way they like start every episode is like um so funny to me. Like they start like by saying like "ding dong, less culturistas here," <laughs> and I I just find it so funny. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> See you talk about it. Like you yes. can tell that you just love this show so much, and it's it's literally making me want to listen to it. Like I literally twenty twenty like my broke my sense of humor, but. That's not to say this show isn't funny. <laughs> it's just if you have a broken sense of humor, you will find this hilarious. <laughs> it's this is gonna sound kind of bad, but I feel like I only started getting into podcasts very recently. Like even though we've been doing this this show for so long, I didn't really listen to podcasts in my free time until pretty recently. I I definitely get where you're coming from. I didn't get into podcasts like fully until I started listening to my brother, my brother and me, which mm. is probably like top two podcasts besides the highlight reel, obviously, would probably <laughs> be my brother, my brother and me and Lost Culturistas. But wow, my brother, okay. my my my, 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 uh, my brother, my brother and me is probably my top favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. You definitely yeah. talk about that one the most. So yeah. I, I assumed it's definitely a good one but yeah there there are plenty of great podcasts out there depending on like i mean if you want to listen to like something more serious like you know like serial or something like that or like any of those npr ones that are like a little bit too boring for my taste like no offense npr but like (laughs) (laughs) but there are a ton of great comedy podcasts out there and there's something for everyone really I you think just gotta, that's, yeah, you just gotta that's find the perfect it. way of describing it. Yeah. There's something for everyone, for sure. I think the reason why it took me so long to get into podcasts is because for me, whenever I'm like driving around, I love to listen to music. So yeah. there wasn't really a good opportunity for me to sit down and listen to a podcast because I know a lot of people, they'll, they'll listen to podcasts when they're driving to work or whatever, um, or just have it on the background while you're doing kind of mindless work. Yeah, which is kind of like what I do now because a, a lot of the stuff that I do for my job is kind of just tedious stuff sometimes. So I can just easily like listen to a podcast while I'm doing Excel spreadsheets or whatever. So I think that helped a lot, like quarantine. And since I'm not driving really as much, I I don't have as much time to just listen to music when I'm driving around. So that really opened up that window of opportunity for me to get into podcasts and. I'm like, yeah. I get it now. I'm always let's late to the game. I just watched <laughs> The Good Place. I finally listened to the podcast, even though I have a podcast. <laughs> yes. You know what? It's it's never too late. You get into things, you know, when when you're ready. And I've you're ready been now. A late bloomer. 
It's okay. <laughs> I got my growth spurt very late in life. <laughs> but it's okay. You're taller than me by a lot now. <laughs> exactly. It all works out in the end. You you fall where you're supposed to land. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a fun episode of the highlight yes. reel this week. Definitely a lot to talk about. Yes, uh, but we got if quite you, passionate. Yes. If you want to further the conversation, uh, you can mm-hmm. follow us on social media at underscore highlight show on Twitter and at highlight reel show on Instagram. I mean, you're obviously listening to the podcast now, but you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and honestly, like, just like every other podcast host says, wherever you get your podcasts, like, we're probably there. And last but certainly not least, uh, if you're interested in joining us on the Cinema Club Discord, please join us. Uh, We'd love to have even more people in our conversations and nominating movies and everything like that. Um, so the discord uh, will be linked in the description of this episode. So please feel free to join us. We would love to have you. Yes. Very well said. We are always accepting new members. Doesn't matter where you're from, how old you are. If you have weird taste in movies, we embrace it all. Definitely. And, <laughs> <laughs> and if you could do us a huge favor if you're enjoying the highlight reel, if you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever other platform you're using to listen to us on, uh, except for Spotify, which unfortunately does not do reviews yet for podcasts. But, but you um, can follow us on Spotify. You could follow us, yes. All of that <laughs> traction really helps us out, helps us push out our show to new listeners. And of course, you know, we'd love to get as much engagement as we can. And if you have any feedback, you know, for us to continue the show and continue to improve we we'd love to hear it all so definitely well yeah this has been episode six of the highlight reel i'm allison i'm jacqueline and And cut. cut